0: I guess I never really read fashion magazines when I was young, so I didn't really know what modeling was when I was very young. Um, And even going into my teens, I was kind of, uh, I was a simple girl, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like very plain, Uh, I played with the boys, we played sports.
1: Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals, I'm Niamh Marr. thank you so much for joining us this week, as always. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Teodora Sutra is my first guest up. She is a model. Originally, she's from Latvia. She's never been on the show before, but I've been following her for years. So she is about to be a mother. And so we chatted about modeling, growing up in Latvia, moving to Ireland, and how she's been crocheting at home. So we're going to talk to her now in just a second. A little bit later on, I'll be joined by another model, Kathy Costolo, a big fan of Kathy. She's been on the show before, actually, but last week, she posted on Instagram about the fact that she has a skin condition called vitiligo. So I wanted to have a chat with her. Um, the full the full interview as well is on the Instagram page, so you can go over and take a look. Um, but we're going to be catching up with Cathy Costello a little bit later on in the show. And also the band When Young join us this week. So they are Irish. They're from Limerick and from Clare as well. But they're based in the UK and they've been in lockdown in the UK and they've just released a new single called The Prayer. It's an incredible track. Uh, they're also working on their second album, but The Prayer, um, they're raising funds actually for women's aid in Ireland and in the UK as well. So I just wanted to catch up with them. And uh, yeah, you should go and download the song The Prayer. It's really, it's lovely. It's quite meditative and it's chilling. And yeah, I'm just obsessed with Efa's voice as well. So we caught up with Wen Young. But first, I was chatting to Tio earlier on. So take a listen. I'm joined now by Tio Sutra, top model. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, Tio. It's your first time on Girls with Goals. We're so thrilled to have you.
0: I'm so glad to be on your show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: so I a lot of our audience will know you, obviously, from all of the work that you do uh, in the modeling industry here in Ireland. But I suppose because it's your first time on, I want to go back a little bit and, and maybe talk about your career and uh, your modeling agency, First Options, are doing a really cool uh, model series, Staying at Home. So we, we're going to talk about that as well. But first off, tell me a little bit about you growing up and, and how you came to Ireland because you were born in Latvia, right?
0: I am. I, I was born in Latvia and we moved over here with my family when I was about eight, eight or nine. Um, so my mum moved over first um, and then we stayed back for a month or a couple of months and then she just kind of wanted to settle in and see if it's like the right place for us to live. And then and then we moved over. Um, and
1: how did you feel about that? I mean, obviously you were, what, eight? So it wasn't like you weren't that young. You obviously could remember everything. How was that adjustment like for you coming to a new country?
0: I thought it was all very, very exciting. I just remember... Um, I, I thought it was all really, 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 really exciting. I was like, yay, we're going to go to a new place and make new friends. And But you know what? I was very, <laughs> there was two things I was very disappointed about. And this sounds very silly, but I was eight. And um, one was that, and we drove to Ireland, by the way. We didn't fly. We drove all the way from, from Riga, Latvia, through um, Poland and Germany and and then I think it was like, I don't even know what other countries. You had to drive through France as well and then get a boat, uh, like a ship over to Ireland. It's
1: long, basically. That's all I know. Yeah. A yeah.
0: A couple of days. But it was exciting. But I was disappointed, even though I had been on a holiday to Sweden before um, on a school trip, um, I was so disappointed that everything was the same. In every other country that we passed through, so I was—I think my imagination in my head was a little bit wild, and I thought that once you left Latvia, that maybe trees would be a different color and the yeah. sky would be. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, it's actually—it's just the same." And I was like, "You know, it was just the same," but in a different country. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think that's actually a really common misconception when you're young, because I remember the same thing. I remember going to France when I was very young and going over on the boat like that, driving over and expecting the world to be completely different. And, you know, the trees are the same colour and the sky is the same, yeah. <laughs> same colour. It's, like, it's a bit of a a bit of letdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And when you're
0: that young, you don't really care about like so like now you go in holidays and it's, you're, you're going away because the weather is hotter and you know, you appreciate those things. Whereas when you're young, you're like, well, it's just the same. (laughs) It's not really.
1: Yeah. And I mean, obviously like, you know, in terms of your career, we, we know you as a model, you've been working in the, in the industry here in Ireland for years. And I suppose when you were younger, Tia was, was modeling something that was in your thought process or, or was it, Very much something that happened when you got a little bit older or basically the question is, what did you want to be when you when you were a kid? I love that question. When I was
0: very, very small, I wanted to be a doctor.
1: Oh, Uh, yeah. Well, that
0: didn't work. (laughs) I didn't even try either. I mean, it it was very, very small. I liked to kind of um, use random objects and like check my mum's like heart and like, you know, I didn't have like those kind of kids toy uh, doctor tools, (laughs) but I would make up things (laughs) and pretend I'm a little nurse. Um, but that was when I was very small. That's the only one job that I remember wanting to be when I was very, when I was a little child. Um, but modeling, no, it was never a thing that was, I guess I never really read fashion magazines when I was young. So I didn't really know what modeling was when I was very young. Um, and even going into my teens, I was kind of I was a simple girl, <laughs> like mm. very plain. I played with the boys. We played sports. Um, I wasn't very super duper girly girly. Um, so I never, I don't know, it just wasn't in my life. Model, the I, sport.
1: I feel like that's such a, an interesting kind of, way to look at things. There wasn't a lot of like high fashion yeah. modeling that I was aware of at all. I definitely didn't know about, you know, the the modeling industry or anything like that. But I mean, presumably it became something that you were aware of as you got older. But how did you kind of get into the world in the first place?
0: Um, there was this competition that was um, First Options used to run. It was called uh, well, they ran the Irish heat of it. It was called Ford Supermodel of the World, and oh. it was a worldwide competition that was run by, uh, by Ford Models. And they did these—I guess, yeah—they they, they did these little auditions all over Ireland. And my mum actually applied for me, mm. um, so I—I I, I didn't even get myself into modelling. My mum did. <laughs> her at the time for my career um because she applied for me and then we went we drove down to Kilkenny yeah. um and first options that was one of our closest uh heats to where we lived because we grew up in Gorey in right. Kingsford um so yeah we drove down and we met the we met Jules and Trish and I did a little walk for them and they kind mm-hmm. of um and then Anyway, they liked me. I got a call back, and they had the the to the finals that were on in Dublin um, from all the little kind of heats they had all over the country. Yeah, uh, and I won. I won the Irish one, so I got to go to New York and represent Ireland um, in the world final. Wow! I had like 54 countries. I can't. I can't even remember. I was like 14. or just just turned 15 when I was going. Wow,
1: to that's so young.
0: Yeah. And I'd, I hadn't walked in heels or anything. Yeah. <laughs> a complete newbie. <laughs> was, yeah, it very, I'm
1: was it very, was it very intense in New York? Cause I mean, I think like I've interviewed a lot of Irish models here and a lot of the time it is very much described as a different type of modeling here in Ireland and a different type of industry as in, it's a very small community. Everybody knows each other here. You know, yeah. a lot of the photographers and you, you know, the people that are in the industry like that you work with on a kind of pretty much daily weekly basis but I mean what was that like being a 15 year old in the New York modeling world that must have been incredibly intense
0: it was it was but it was a really good experience um I was I was very I remember being very nervous yeah because all these girls and they had that were there had modeled for a while before they weren't all just kind of new to the whole industry um so a lot of girls I know there were they were a lot more confident, yeah. Um, but they were all very young. They were all from 14 to – I think 14 was the starting age that you could be to even enter the competition, uh, and then you could only be up to 21. So they were all really young girls. Yeah. Um, but it, it was fun, and, and the girls were lovely. So we had to share a room with another girl from another country, and um, – and yeah, it, it was nice. It was nice. It was intense because I just felt like I was like, I don't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing here? I have no idea what I'm doing. And I didn't. Like when I look back at pictures, I, l- I like some of the pictures from New York. But then some of the early modeling pictures, <laughs> I just think I look, I just look like a deer in
1: headlights. Was it an option for you then to kind of stay in New York? Or did you always want to kind of come back and, and live and work in Ireland? Or was that something that you... Talked through with your family. I mean, presumably at fifteen, you know, being so young, you had your mother with you. Yeah,
0: my mum came with with me as well, and so the jewels and thrish, um from the agency. Yeah. But no, it was always we were always going to come home, and I was still in school, so I wasn't really able to. I would have to quit school if I was to go live somewhere else. And at fifteen, year I was only in third year. Right. Um, so, no, that wasn't an option. Um, but I still worked like when we came back, I still worked in Ireland. Wow.
1: So um, while you were still in school, like as a as a yeah. teenager, that's when you kind of began the full on modeling as a job. And so you were doing that throughout. I mean, when I think of myself in secondary school, like it's a tough time managing your junior cert and kind of looking towards your leaving cert and stuff like that. And you were working at the same time as well. So how did you kind of balance that? Do you know what?
0: I re- I never remember being stressed out about school. I, I didn't, I didn't hate school. I didn't love school. I just did it because I knew I had to go to school because <laughs> yeah. it was a thing that you had to do. and. I was really enjoying modeling and I knew it was something that I'll probably do anyway once I finish school. Um so I never and I never got I actually remember being in school and being around kids that were really 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 stressed out around leaving cert yeah. and junior cert. And I remember thinking like why? <laughs> like you're going to do your best. You can all you can do is study and And, and, and get what, you know, there's no point and and they'd get really stressed. Like, you know, people would be like depressed over not being like, just, it would take over their lives. And I just wasn't there. I think because I was modeling as well. And because my family wasn't too strict on me and too, um, they didn't ever put a lot of pressure on me to be like a lawyer or anything else, you know, I I never felt like I had to be stressed in school. Um, So I think I actually found it really okay. I probably did miss too much school because of modeling. But uh, it, it ended up, I ended up doing well and leaving cert anyway. So it was fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's a lot of pressure that people are putting on young people anyway, you know, especially around the time of, I remember the junior cert in particular, I remember studying so hard for the junior cert and then I did quite well in it. And then it was afterwards, it was the realization when I was in fourth year that actually the junior cert, you didn't need those results for anything. I mean, not, none, of it, no. none of it None of it matters mattered you just moved
0: on the pressure they put on you in school or maybe parents or I think the teachers make it out as if it's such a big deal yeah Um, it it really isn't (laughs) like it really really isn't because after a certain age anyway you can do another exam and get into whatever course you want you know you're leaving certain even your leaving certain um results um Don't matter after a certain point in your life. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, I kind of it totally depends on the kind of industry that you want to go into. And and like you said earlier, your mom put you forward for that kind of first job. So it's a tough industry. And presumably your family were really supportive of you kind of making that choice to to be a full time model. Or or was it something that they were kind of saying to you, you know, be wary of it as well, because it's tough.
0: No, my mom was very, very supportive um, and I guess she didn't know any models or the industry, it, how it is in the world either. So she didn't really know like that it could be I don't know the 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 bad side of it. Yes. but there isn't in Ireland. It really there really isn't. Um, the agencies are really nice. Your clients that you work with are very very professional. It's too much of a small industry for there to be um, any dangers in it. If you mm. if you get what I mean in Ireland. Um, so my mom was always very supportive and she was just, yeah, it was very relaxed.
1: That is one of the things that I hear a lot about the industry in Ireland. And it's such a lovely thing to hear because I mean, I, I work with a, a lot of people and I've interviewed a lot of people who are in the fashion business as a whole. So everyone from stylists to photographers, like you said, I mean, it's such a small industry. You're working with the same people over and over again. And I'll never forget, I was speaking to Holly Carpenter and when she went over and did the kind of reality TV side of modeling on Britain's Next Top Model and stuff, oh, yeah. you know, she was talking about all of the the producers and the kind of way that it's being contrived. And she just said that it's so different from what you get in Ireland because of the fact that it's just a much bigger pond. And like, it's, it's, yeah. it's always a nice thing, I think, to hear that of an industry in Ireland that is notoriously cutthroat in other parts of the world and is always kind of portrayed like that on reality TV. Like the world of modeling is portrayed a certain way and it's very, very different to what it can be for a model i would presume yeah, again i'm 5'1 so i'll never know but like you know i mean presumably it's like a, any reality tv show i mean they just make
0: it it's it's like they make it um so that people enjoy watching it but it's not really the truth a lot of the time you know
1: yeah exactly and yeah. i suppose um just for any of our audience that don't know a massive congratulations because you are expecting mother to be yeah. it's so exciting what a strange time to be pregnant as well in lockdown how have you been coping with that
0: I think it's probably the best
1: yeah to be
0: pregnant I think because it forces you not to think about like I would have had to stop working anyway so right before the lockdown was introduced I did my last job and because of what I was starting to show, I wouldn't have been able to work anyway, unless something maternity um, would have come up. Yeah. So for me, it worked out really well and it hasn't affected me, apart from, of course, being stuck at home and not being able to see my family and friends, yeah. which is hard for everybody. Um, but I'm, I mean, it's the best. I think it's it's not the best time. I think that's a bad way of saying something because <laughs> it's such a horrible time. But it's gotten me to just be relaxed and enjoy some days doing nothing and just relaxing and taking this time. And I think it's the best thing for the baby because it's like the baby is just super relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, this whole experience. And so am I. And I'm not stressed at all. And I haven't been, um, not that I'm ever really I'm I'm quite a chill there person anyway. Yeah. Um, but I'm like extra <laughs>
1: stress free. It's <laughs> it's so lovely to hear, yeah. It's lovely to be able to relax into that kind of stuff. But it is a very big changing time in, in your life, you know? And I suppose with the amount yeah. of uncertainty that's happening with you know the coronavirus and the pandemic that's happening you know as an expectant mother I would imagine that you know that can get a lot but I mean it sounds like you're just chilling and going with the flow which is <laughs> lovely to hear. I mean
0: that's all I can do that's all yeah. anybody can do and watching the news or reading up about the virus or this that just gives you anxiety and makes you stressed and makes you worried and stress is a bigger uh, um stress can do more damage to you than if you got the coronavirus could yeah. you know that can that affects your whole body it affects everything so the less stress you have in your life the better so i'm i don't read the news every day because um, it's a lot of just it can not be a lot of negative so i just stay positive yeah um, it, it can't affect me i'm at home and go for walks i see um i just stay safe um so i have nothing to worry about yeah baby because the hospitals are working babies are being delivered all the time mm. afterwards as well and um, i mean the, you know we all know about the coronavirus now and what to do to avoid it like wash your hands and all these steps that you can take to not get it or and if you get it also you know what's the word (laughs) you can like just be sick and it it can go away yeah yeah if you're older or and or in those categories of people that have to be more careful so there's nothing really that people should be too stressed about obviously I'm, I'm in a good position I'm not um I don't have to worry about work right now and yeah it's different if I had a business and that I couldn't do a business and and it was struggling or something so I get why people are stressed if they're in
1: yeah, so, I mean, I th- I think it's it's the best. It's kind of one of the best attitudes to have, though. That you know, I think a lot of people are struggling with the control a- angle and the control, like losing that little bit of control over, um, over your own life and movement and stuff like that can be hard for people. But at the same time, we are all in the same boat, and I think that that's yeah. one of the main things. Like, you can't grasp control of a global pandemic. So I mean, there's nothing that you can do aside from just, you know, wait Probably and adapt. Yeah, yeah. I have, have faith that. in the fact that people are doing the things that they're all meant to be doing and, and staying at home as well. But your partner, and yeah. is he, is he excited as well to be a, to be a dad? When would you, when are you due actually? I didn't even ask you that. Is it soon? Um, Do you
0: on the 1st of July? Um, Ooh. So yeah, soon. So nine and a half weeks almost to go. Yeah. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. We're both so, so excited. Like it's, an amazing time and and watching the baby bump grow um and feeling the baby move all the time and it kind of makes you connect with the baby so much so yeah we're super super of
1: so I want to ask about the the series that your modeling agency did. So I thought it was so lovely to see. So it's the Models at Home series. And basically, it's just kind of checking in on like what it yeah. says on the tin on, on kind of what you guys are doing when you can't be out on, on shoots, because it is an industry that has been impacted, you know. I mean, there aren't any shoots that are happening. Like most industries, it, it has been impacted. So I think it's a really nice way to kind of get that insight. And I have to say, I was... So impressed with what you have been doing at home. You've basically been making baby clothes, but they, they look so incredible. So tell us about what you've been doing. <laughs>
0: so I've been like a little granny sitting at home <laughs> with, <my laughs> with lots of wool <laughs> knitting and crocheting. Um, I've been mostly crocheting. Uh, it's just so therapeutic. Yeah. So I started, I've been, not not just because of the lockdown, but before... Um, I have this friend she's also a model Joanne Northy and she loves crocheting and so she 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 crochets little bikini tops and like really cool fashiony things um, and so sometimes even in work if we're modeling we would bring our little crochet hooks and 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 wool and like crochet little things um, Chia, you ha- kind of you
1: have to tell stop. us You have to tell us what the difference is in case, and I'm not saying it's me, but in case anybody is listening and they have no idea. So what's the difference between crocheting and say just straight up knitting?
0: So knitting, (laughs) you have two needles. I think, I don't know if you call them needles. I think you do, yes, yeah. (laughs) We'll call them that. Yeah. So you have two needles that you work with and crocheting is like one metal uh, needle with like a hook at the end. So you just use one um, so they're ju- it's it's very similar, but but different. And I think crocheting is easier because you can get away with mistakes much better. Ah. <laughs> so say like I started this one little baby onesie thing, and I made it really like really small. It <laughs> probably wouldn't even fit a teddy bear. I don't know. I was watching a YouTube tutorial, and I must have had the wrong size needle or thread, or I don't even know. But it came out really tiny, and then you just kind of work your way around it, and you can make it bigger and bigger, and fix things much more easy. Whereas knitting, it's yeah, it's a that's a serious skill.
1: Well, that that can be for like maybe the baby's first day or something. But the pieces that you've been making are so like I'm looking at them now; they're so lovely, very gender neutral, lovely yellows. Yeah, Uh, and so we don't
0: know what we're having yet, and we're not finding out. So uh I was like, I'll get like cream yellow beige browns um they're really and it matter
1: <laughs> and I mean do you think about the design of what you're going to do like I mean you said in the post yourself on your own Instagram that you I mean YouTube is incredible for tutorials and stuff like that okay. as well so do, are you just kind of like making what how long does it like sorry how long does that take I'm looking at the little jacket thing it looks so lovely in detail but how long does that take you the patience
0: and um, the crocheting I get I never sit down and do it for hours on end. I go, I like do it for like an hour and then another hour so maybe like a little jumper could take you. I, I, don't, I don't even know. It takes me maybe two or three days, but I'm only doing it for maybe two hours or three oh, hours. So it's a day. not
1: continuous. Yeah. Cause I would say no. it would, it would get kind of maybe infuriating if you didn't have that much patience, if you're doing it for yeah. hours on end. And I get bored so easily.
0: <laughs> so I'm like, ah, no, I'll, I'll give that up for a while. And then I come back to it the next day. Well, they're um, so. Pretty. It doesn't take that long, actually. It's and It's not hard. And, and I have no skills. I only go by YouTube. <laughs> Literally, you, you can just find so many different videos. I just type in baby crochet and like loads of videos come up and then I click into one. I'm like, ooh, OK, I think I'll try that. And then, yeah,
1: just follow. how incredible I- when you finish a piece, though, and like how rewarding is that going to be for you when your baby is wearing clothes that you've made for them? Like, I think that's an, yeah. an incredible thing.
0: And it's such a good way to pass time like it's such a and then at the end you're like, oh, I made this. I made a little hat or little socks or a little romper, baby romper. And I'm like, I actually made this. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty
1: cool. They're really pretty. And I mean, they're they look lovely as well. They definitely don't make I mean, I'm going by my own skill set now, but they definitely don't look like they're homemade. But it depends on. Who is making them because if I made something homemade, it would definitely look homemade, so it depends on your skill level, but it they definitely look incredible, and yeah, I mean, maybe they look new, cute.
0: I think once you look really close, like there's one or two if you look really closely. I'm <laughs> zooming, I'm zooming yourself. in now,
1: Tio. I'm zooming in, <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute, and so tell me about, um, like obviously you're going to be on maternity leave and you're going to be spending time with, with the family and stuff like that. But I mean, afterwards is how how are you doing with not working? I suppose a lot of models aren't working at the moment, but are you planning on going back to work? And what's the future when you, when you kind of look towards your career?
0: Um, I think I'll take it step by step and kind of see. I definitely want to go back to work. Um, and I'll just see. I think once I have the baby, it depends how... Fast, I'll get my body back because mm. that's also a big thing obviously after you have a baby you have a big belly um, and then you just have to tone up and, and and also see how I feel about leaving for a day or two you know for like a day yeah. of work I might just start with like a day here and there because I don't know I've, from seeing my friends and um, models go back to work after having a baby Like one of my girlfriends, she was just traumatized. She couldn't leave her little boy. And that wasn't a few weeks after, you know, it was a good few um, months after um, giving birth. So it just, yeah, I just have to go with how I feel. Um, And I can't really, I can only say what I think I'll want to do, but I just don't know until the time comes really
1: uh, absolutely yeah well it's not the time to be thinking about that it's the time to be relaxing and crocheting <laughs> and maybe you can just open up a baby clothes store in the future you never know because of the skills that you've got uh <laughs> while you've been pregnant those look amazing and um, Tio, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you so much and i would say to anybody listening if you do want to go on to the first option models instagram page you can see they're doing this lovely models at home series which is a it's a great little snapshot into what everybody is doing now and i love I love looking in at, on different industries and seeing how people are, are getting on during this very strange time. But Tio, best of luck with everything. Thank and you so much. And I'm so excited to see uh, the baby in the clothes that you've made. <laughs> 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 I hope that you're going to put it on Instagram, I hope, so that we can all uh, have a little look. Oh, in-
0: for sure, for sure. <laughs> Tio,
1: Thank you so it. much Thank for having so me much. on. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Yay! Thank you so much for joining us. That was Tio Sucha there. You can go and follow her on Instagram and look at the adorable baby clothes that she's been making. The absolute patience that that woman must have. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do it. But anyway, hers looks really, really cute. So go and take a look. Right. We're going to be talking to Kathy Costello a little bit later on in the show. I caught up with her earlier in the week. But first, When Young are a band. They released their debut album last year. Uh, They're working on their second album at the moment, but they are in lockdown in the UK. And they've just released a new single called The Prayer. So I caught up with them earlier. Take a listen. So we're going to talk about The Prayer, the new single and how you guys are getting on in lockdown and stuff like that but first for our audience do you mind kind of going back a couple of years and telling us how you formed in the first place and how you went over to London and that whole process?
2: Yeah um, so we met in Limerick the guys are from Clare, I'm from Limerick but they went to school in Limerick and we all like bonded over the same kind of music when we were teenagers and met I think we met at a house party or something and um, yeah and then Uh, years later, like after college, we moved to London and we started playing together. And eventually it turned into (laughs) Young And we released our debut album last
1: year. So you released the album last year and obviously um, you were touring and everything like that. But of course, everything has changed now. Can I ask a little bit about how the three of you haven't been getting on in lockdown and how come you decided to stay over there? Did you think about coming home or, or what was that whole process?
2: Yeah, we did think about coming home and we were, we were just, um, a bit afraid to come home to our families in case we picked up anything on the way. And then we were unsure of what to do, like where we would, um, like isolate for two weeks. So we decided to stay here. We were like, it's safest to stay here. And like, uh, just like wait until things are lifted and then we'll go back but yeah we're really like we're dying to get back to Ireland it feels weird just not being able to go there like even if we're like obviously living over here in the UK uh we do get back quite a lot and especially this year we had been going back quite a lot and we had been working we had been writing in Ireland uh so yeah
3: but I think yeah we kind of had to be a bit um, selfless and kind of stay here and do what was safest and recommended I guess
1: yeah I always feel like when you're not in a band a band's dynamic is something that people who are outside of it always kind of look to and I suppose there's a, a level of envy you guys spend so much time together when you're touring and stuff like that but lockdown is a completely different scenario for everybody I mean I'm fit to kill my gorgeous partner who I live with, but legitimately. So, I mean, what has it been like for you guys as a band coming together in lockdown? I mean, are, is there any fights or have you just come closer together creatively as well?
2: No, it's been good. We, we've we been doing this since the start of the year though. We we were in Ireland and we were all like staying together writing and uh, like we went down to Doonbeg in Clare and we were just writing there in a little cottage. And then we went to Wales, to a studio, and there was about like uh, five, six of us there, and we were so we were like isolated there as well. So we're kind of used to just being away from anybody else, and um, we were
3: isolating before it was cold. <laughs> yeah,
2: <So, laughs> well versed. Yeah, yeah, we're used to it, and like over the years, we've like all like lived together. And, yeah, we're just we're used to like I think in a band as well. Like traveling around in a in a bus a bus we're not in a bus in a van uh you you just you get really like uh you're really sensitive of people's space and like like shutting up when you kind of think it's right and like just like leaving people to like read or like listen to music and not interrupting people so yeah i think we're all very respectful of that yeah
3: i was just gonna say i think we were quite lucky as well in that our Our schedule, like, we kind of just finished our first, uh, like, our touring schedule for the first album and stuff. So we weren't really affected by live shows at the moment. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we were kind of in a writing and recording for album two kind of schedule. So.
1: And I want to kind of talk about The Prayer. I've listened to it. It's, It's really beautiful. Like, it proper got me straight away. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people in the arts and a lot of people are feeling creatively stunted because it's such a depressing time and it's just really difficult to almost have you know the get up and go to to do something like that but I mean tell tell our audience a little bit about the inspiration behind the prayer specifically.
2: We wanted to make something soothing and something like because we were feeling really anxious and so we didn't want to like Maybe usually we'd be writing more like up tempo music, and it didn't feel right. So like that song just kind of like poured out, and like we had it like, it just kind of happened like pretty, like we within like two days we had like everything kind of there.
3: The idea was there, yeah. Within, yeah, within a like, couple of days, so. and like all
2: the lyrics and stuff. Yeah, it was just we just wanted to do something like meditative.
3: Yeah. And then like, once we had the idea, like in the kind of demo done, we just kind of spoke to our team. We were like, we want to do this. Do you think there's a way we can do it ourselves from home? And then they were, they were like, yeah, go for it. We'll support it. So it was cool. We just, we kind of went out then and, and tried to improve it a bit and record it better here. And then we got it mixed by the guy who's currently producing our, our next album. He did a mix on it and then it was kind of ready to go within. A week or so. Wow.
1: So you are recording there, like in your own house as
2: well. Yeah, well, like, it's the first time that we've ever released something that we've recorded ourselves. So that was nice. But we are, we're demoing here the whole time. We're like, um,
1: yeah.
3: It's a, yeah, it's a fairly DIY yes. setup.
1: I mean, it sounds great, though. When I'm recording anything, I, like, have a duvet over my head just in <laughs> order to... I don't know if you guys did anything as classy as that. But, I mean, obviously, you just kind of adapt to whatever you can. And you're partnering with Women's Aid as well. Can you tell me for this single? Can you tell me a little bit why that was important to you too? Uh,
2: they're they're an amazing charity. They do like really important work for women and children in crisis and bad situations, domestic abuse, and we and the like. It's in the media a lot. There's an increase in um, phone calls, and so we really thought that they needed to be supported they one of the ones that might be overlooked at the moment, but it's very important. Uh, yeah, it's just it's hard to think of like the situation some people must be in. I mean, we're lucky mm. like to have like, like a comfortable space to be living in, but some people aren't so lucky and yeah.
1: Before you go, I kind of want to talk a little bit about just, you know, when all of this blows over and the wider music industry. I mean, you know, people are talking about obviously the summer festivals and everything like that is gone, but I mean, speaking to people who are in the the gig economy, what are you guys thinking about when it comes to, like, getting back out there and even being able to perform in front of an audience again? Have you thought about the way your industry is going to change in the future?
4: Uh, Yeah, we have, but I think you can't really think too much about it because there's no answer, or there's, like, there's no time frame. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Um, To get back out and play shows to real people is going to be amazing, but... When it's gonna happen? Like nobody knows for sure. People like it keeps getting pushed back. People are saying, "Oh, gigs will start up by June," and then, "Oh, gigs will start up by September." And now the latest is, "Oh, we think touring will come back April next year." Um, It's it's tough. It's tough. I think live music is gonna be the last thing, really, to come back. Um, Mm. You know, as everyone is saying, like you can kind of play sports in closed stadiums or whatever, but you need people for live music, you need the, like, actual real people in front of you for it to work, the energy and stuff, so it's, uh, we we don't know, and I think if you think about stuff like that too much, it's just, it just drives me mad, so I think we're just like trying to just go with the flow, and just like, try and keep happy, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, I think it's, it's,
3: it it just means that we'll have to adapt in other ways i guess mm. uh like unfortunately you know we we prefer not to be having to do live streams and stuff um <laughs> but you know for the moment that's the best we can yeah. do and hopefully people enjoy enjoy that to some extent yeah uh,
2: absolutely. so i'm sure you
3: know that there, there's yeah. who knows 6 months down the line there might be New ideas and ways of, of doing yeah, things you I don't, think you don't that's
2: know. The, that's like the only way we can deal with it, really, like to just kind of use technology right now, even though that's pretty sad. But we just like we have, we're very lucky that it's that this has happened now rather than before. Like,
4: yeah. you know, if it comes to there'll be uh, a Wen Young Hologram tour, maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, that sounds sick. <laughs> The audience will be holograms as well. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's all you want. I mean, like, regardless of anything in terms of actually being able to go to concerts and stuff, I mean, music is something that people are always going to want to listen to. I was having a shitty morning and then I listened to your song and I genuinely went onto your Instagram and I was looking at, like, some of the covers you guys have been doing and stuff. And people need to hear that kind of stuff, even though that was kind of a depressing question. It's great to see you guys continue on with what you're doing. Um, and finally, before I let you go, you are working on the next album. So can you tell us a little bit about how it's going to do? differ from Reasons to Dream from the last one what can people expect from the sound
2: yeah the way we're writing it is different we we were like for the first album we were writing a lot in a rehearsal studio and we kind of decided when we started writing like at Christmas and I suppose like the colder time of year and all that and like uh, the studio we'd been rehearsing in in London was Pretty small and cold and a bit grotty and miserable and just you don't want to be in there in winter. So we were like, oh, let's write at home. So then we were kind of using uh, our laptops more and uh, more like electronic sounds and not that it's like an electronic album, but like it's definitely got like different influences. I guess and we right, just
3: we didn't feel as confined to our live instruments yeah. per se. I guess.
4: Yeah, we're quite excited as well because like we've played it to the like we've seven songs recorded um we've played it to anyone anyway, we've played it to the label and stuff and management seems they're like oh this is different and it, it's, it's getting a really good reaction so we're we're excited to kind of go and finish it whenever we can
1: Amazing, and when obviously um, the prayer is out today, when this is going to be going out, this will be out today, so when can people expect some more music? So hopefully
2: at the end of the summer, that kind of time, I think, I mean it's hard to kind of plan exactly, but we hope to like keep putting things out and not like holding
1: back just because of
2: coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. as you said, people
4: need music. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, lad, thanks so much. I hope get you get to come home to Ireland soon because we'd love to see you back here. And yes, yeah, stay safe. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys. See you Bye. later. Thank you so much to Aoife, Nile and Andrew there for catching up with me. Uh, you can see a little bit of the video for the prayer if you go onto their Instagram, Wen Young, and also the video for our interview is on the her Instagram page. So do go and check that out as well. And finally, I was joined earlier in the week by Kathy Costello. Kathy is a model and she's actually been on the show before a good few months ago. But um, last week she posted a picture on our Instagram talking about her vitiligo. So she also... Uh, she always talks about body positivity. She's an incredible person to follow on social media because, you know, she's just all about loving yourself and her messages of positivity just always make me feel better. And I find sometimes when you're scrolling on Instagram, there are times when you don't feel that good about yourself. And Kathy Costello is somebody that you should follow on Instagram. She just has really great things to say. So I'm going to leave you with Kathy now. And we caught up earlier in the week to talk about modeling and also her skin condition vitiligo.
5: So I have a skin condition called vitiligo and um, it's not super common I think it's one in 100 people have it and um, so basically what it is it's an autoimmune disease and um, what it is is I'm losing the pigment in my skin and parts of my skin so I have a lot of like white patches over my body and that's where the the condition is spreading so for me it's mostly around my eyes and um, that's the kind of most obvious place you can see it and I started to notice that my eyes were I, I thought it was because when I first got it, it was when I was 18 and it was around the time of the leave insert. So the weather was really good. So I thought it was like some sort of weird tan that I got that I had. Like, I don't know what I did. Maybe I was out too long in the sun with sunglasses on. Cause that's kind of what it looked like. But um, no, it wasn't. It was good LIGO. So that's how I found out.
1: And it gone to progressively get worse or what is it like does it kind of come and go or how does it affect you exactly so most
5: people that get it they get it around the age of 20 um obviously I was 18 when I got it but still relatively close to 20 so basically um it just it's it's just going to spread I don't know it might slow down or it might get worse it'll probably get worse realistically speaking but um yeah it's it's there's no cure for it either like I've to loads of dermatologists doctors and stuff and there's not really any cure there's like treatments you can do to try and like slow it down or you know things like that but i just decided i'm just gonna let it happen because the treatments were quite intense so i'm just trying to learn how to embrace it
1: how did that impact you when you were 18 presumably modeling was something that you wanted to kind of go into so i mean were you worried about that because it is something that you know is very much it's on your face
5: um, I wasn't when I first when I first um, noticed that I have it it wasn't such a big worry for me because I didn't really start modeling until I was 19 like modeling was always an idea for me but when I actually started doing it I was kind of like oh okay this whole little Lego thing might be a little issue but it's never it's never been an issue sometimes makeup a lot of the time makeup artists they'll know what it is because makeup artists know so much about skin and stuff so a lot of the time I don't even have to explain it I'm just like I'll just be like oh yeah so the, the white under my eye they'll be like is that for LIGO is that how you say it and I'll be like yeah you know but it's their job to like know skin and stuff but um so a lot of the time makeup artists they're so good they'll just cover it up so well for me like they'll just they just do an amazing job so it's never an issue like people ask a lot of the time on set or halfway through if I notice that like my makeup is kind of wearing off under my eyes I'll just say to the makeup artist and be like can you just like top that up and they always do so it's never an issue and even some shoots like some beauty shoots that I've done I can see my vitiligo in it like it's left in so yeah
1: by the way I mean the picture that you posted of the close-up of the vitiligo under your eyes it's it's such a striking picture like it's a stunning picture um Mm -hmm. and if you hadn't have kind of if I hadn't have read the caption Mm -hmm. I would have just been like another stunning picture of of Kathy like because it just Mm -hmm. looks like you're you're not wearing any makeup and it looks so lovely Mm -hmm. but I mean was one of The reasons why you kind of post pictures that are so honest like that is to remind other people and the following that you have as well as yourself not to compare during kind of a really tough time
5: yeah like that's basically like it's it it is a reminder to myself as well it's kind of like a public diary nearly it's a reminder for myself as much as anybody else but the reason I post those things as well it's just it's like I like seeing somebody post something like that when I'm feeling down in the dumps or when I'm feeling whatever and like even though my following isn't that large whatsoever I think it still does have a good impact on those who see it um so I'm happy to post all that stuff and it's nice like it's nice. it's so it's so nice to get like messages from you know women and girls and even mm-hmm. boys and men and just telling all oh, your posts are amazing then and it's not coming from a from a I don't know what the word is it's not even lads like it's not coming from a flirty way it's just being like oh I have a little sister that's so nice to see then and know or like oh my mom has vitiligo that's mad or like things like that it's just lovely to see but it is it is a reminder for myself as much as it is for anybody else to be honest
1: and I mean I've been like interviewing a lot of people from different industries and stuff like that so I always try and kind of you know ask a little bit about how this whole thing has been affecting them from a career point of view. I mean, obviously you're not able to go on shoots at the moment mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm sure a lot of jobs have dried up. I know from speaking to like other editors and stuff like that, you know, yeah. the whole industry in terms of fashion and beauty and everything like that is taking a toll. How yeah. are you kind of maintaining positivity throughout this and, and what are you looking forward to getting back to in terms of your career?
5: Like I've had a lot of days where it's been really overwhelming for myself. like. To the extent where I'll just be like oh my god and I'll just everything I'll get so much and like I said I'm such a little baby I'll ring my mom or now that I'm home here I can just you know annoy her here in person which is great but um, yeah I think the best thing the best advice that I could give or give to myself is just that everyone's more or less in the same boat you know like this isn't forever like at the end of the day like obviously I'm out of work with everything that's going on and at the end of the day like obviously I was, when I entered 2020, I was like, 2020 is my my year, it's gonna be the best year. And you know, you don't never know what's gonna happen. But like, I can't be, you know, I can't be given out about sitting at home, you know, doing nothing when there's like people that are in hospitals and stuff, fighting for their lives and stuff, do you know what I mean? And anytime I panic about not working, that I'm at home, I'm actually, I'm, I actually am doing something by staying at home, do you know what I mean? And that's what you just need to remind yourself like.